we are in the middle of a, um, of a study in end time prophecy. And I uh, appreciate those that uh, uh, are here faithful each week and uh, all the encouragement to get a lot of emails throughout the week um, and uh, appreciate that. Uh, know many people are ordering CDs and they tell me in the back there that if you've ordered some CDs, please go by and, and they're, they're ready for you. You can pick those up. Uh, so we've got a lot, uh, just a lot of studying here to do. We're going to get into the tribulation here today. Not uh, us physically, but our study, we're going to get into the tribulation here today. Uh, and this is going to take us a couple weeks to really study uh, the tribulation. And so I want to lay some things out for you. Uh, and I hope that this is interesting to you, uh, not just so that we get information, so that we do something with what we get. We are living, I believe, in the last days. I believe Jesus Christ at any moment can return. And we are supposed to, the Bible tells us, to occupy till he comes. And that's a, that's a, 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 a verb. That means to do something, action word. And we should be telling others about Jesus Christ. None of us, none of us, if we uh, love people, should have any desire at all to see people here during the tribulation time. I was, uh, my family went to camp and spent some time with our, our juniors at Splash Camp uh, this past week. And they showed a video to the children there. And it was an interesting video. It was an atheist. And that atheist was, was giving a testimony. Um, he was at, um, I, I'm not sure exactly what he was doing, but he, uh, he performed in front of people. And there was a, a person that came to see him. And he said he was greeting people at the end and, and this man was saying that he doesn't believe in God, he, he's an atheist. And he said that there was a man, he was the most kindest, compassionate man he's ever met. He said that fellow came up to him, he said I could see it in his eyes that he cared. He said he handed me a, a little book. He said it was a, a Gideon New Testament, he said. He wasn't even sure what was all in that. He said he began to go through that, that New Testament and tell them, uh, tells them about eternal life. And, and he was so impacted by this man. And he made this statement. He said this. He said, how much do you have to hate somebody to know the truth and keep it to yourself? Think about that. How much do you have to hate somebody to know the truth, but keep it to yourself? The world needs Jesus Christ. The human race needs Jesus Christ. Christ. Jesus said, and we've said this every week, and I've said this every week on purpose. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. There is no other way. And so we've been studying this end time prophecy, and we have talked about this leading up to today. We've said this in the Bible, I've shown you in the Bible each week. There is going to be a one world religion. There's going to be a one world government. There's going to be a, a mark that each person must take, the mark of the beast. And the Bible says in their hand or in their forehead, and you won't be able to buy, sell, or trade without this mark. And, and there was a time where if you studied prophecy, you would think this, that is some sci-fi stuff. I mean, that's not even realistic. To think that every religion in the world could get along, us in our own religion can't get along. I want you to show this video. I'm going to translate what he's saying. Only because it's on the screen there. I don't know if everyone in the back can see that. So play that again and let me, 
La mayor parte de los habitantes del planeta se declaran creyentes. Esto debería provocar un diálogo entre las religiones. No debemos dejar de orar por él y colaborar con quienes piensan distinto. Confío en Buda. Creo en Dios. Creo en Jesucristo. Creo en Jesucristo. Muchos sienten distinto, buscan a Dios en esta abanico de religiones hay una sola para todos. Todos somos hijos de Dios. Creo en el amor. Creo I believe in love. Creo en el amor. I believe in love. Creo en el amor. I believe in love. Confío en vos. I hope you'll spread my prayer request this month. Que el diálogo among men and women of different faiths de diversas religiones conlleve frutos de paz y justicia. Confío en tu oración. All different faiths coming together for peace and justice. That'll be the cry. You say, I don't know if all the world religions could come together. There's a cry for all the religions of the world to come together. Now, church, we are not all children of God. We're all God's creation, but we're not all God's children. The Bible says the only way that you can become a child of God is through his son, Jesus Christ. All the world religions cannot come together and just agree that you can believe what you want. The cry is going to be for peace and for unity. In the European Union sits a statue. This is a statue in front of the European Union. John tells us of a woman riding the beast. That woman is going to be the one world religion. The beast is going to be the antichrist, the one world government. In front of the European Union, they, the nations of, of the European Union, they give up their sovereignty as a nation. You can travel within any of these nations. They have a one world currency. We saw this, that one world current, the, the, the one euro uh, currency all the European nations use. Here's a picture of the two euro. The same picture of that coin is a woman riding the beast. What sits in Belgium is a picture of the European Union Parliament. This is, this is where the nations of the European nation, uh, Union come together and they begin to uh, uh, decide things not only in the European Union, but also they begin to make sanctions and, and recommendations of sanctions against Israel. They believe that Israel should give up their land for peace. You see, since the beginning of time, we find all the way back, and we saw this a few weeks ago, there was a man named Nimrod with the Tower of Babel. Nimrod said this, let's make a, a place where we can, we can build to the heavens so that we can worship. Not God, though. Their intent was to worship what man has done. Man, since the time of the Tower of Babel, has sought to, to uh, take what belongs to God in worship. We have now a place in the, called the European Union where this place is a place where 
We believe it could show us how a, a uh, one world government can come. It's interesting. The Tower of Babel, the European Union. You see the things that are unfolding right before our eyes. I want to show you this. This is the first artist rendering of the European Union. Their goal, if you could read this small yellow box, was this, Europe, many tongues, one voice. Many tongues, one voice. In the first rendering of the European Union, what they used was the Tower of Babel. And these things, again, are happening before us. We see, we think, could all the religions of the world want to come together because they believe different things? But for the sake of peace and unity, they're crying today, let's come together, let's come together in for sake of peace. Can all of the governments of the world come together and give up their sovereignty? And we're watching it happen before our eyes. The Bible says this, that the, the government and the representing the beast, the, the one world religion representing the woman riding the beast. And we saw this, I believe, two weeks ago or so. We saw the Bible says this, that there's going to be a mark of the beast. And you're going to have to take that mark in your hand or in your forehead. And you're not going to be able to buy or sell or trade without this mark. The blade, Toledo blade. I believe this was this week... Tuesday, July 25th, 2017, this past week. In the Toledo Blade, there was an article, and this article reads this, firm offers to implant chips in its employees. This is not, this is in our local newspaper. How many of you saw this in the news this past week? About half of you emailed it to me, and I appreciate that. It reads this, would you ask an employee to get a chip implanted in her hand? Sounds invasive and intrusive, but come August 1st, one company in Wisconsin will be giving it a try. The Square Market, a developer of software used in vending machines, is offering all of its employees the option to get a microchip implanted between the thumb and the forefinger. It's quick, painless, and the company will pay the $300 fee. And don't worry, there are no GPS tracking capabilities yet. That's comforting. The company is expecting 50 of its employees to voluntarily sign up for the implants. The RFID chips would allow these employees who volunteer to participate in the program to open doors, pay for purchases, share business cards, store medical information, pay for stuff at other RFID terminals and log in to their computers with a wave of the hand. Eventually, this technology will become standardized, allowing you to use this as a passport, public transit, all purchasing opportunities, etc. Chief Executive Todd Wesby wrote in a blog post announcing this program. The program is meant to be a real-life opportunity for his company to test and expand the technology for its own products. We see this as another payment and identification option that not only can be used in our markets, but our other self-checkouts and self-service applications that we are now developing, which include convenience stores and fitness centers at another company executive. A Swedish organization named Epicenter began doning, uh, uh, doing the same thing earlier this year, and its workers seem to love it. People ask me, why are you chipped? And I say, yes, why not? One Epic Center employee said at a CNBC report in April. 
Who would take a chip in their hand or who would take a mark in their hand? It's happening right before us. You see, all of the things that the Bible says, we see them coming true. We see it happening before our eyes. Now, if this company, do I believe that this company is giving the mark of the beast? I don't believe that. What I'm showing you this today is to show you that it can happen. When the, when the Antichrist arises and they say you must take this mark to be able to buy, sell, and trade, we see that it's happening. I, I remember back when my father was preaching when he was younger, and <clears throat> this is before computers, this is before technology. They had no idea this kind of stuff was going to take place. They thought maybe it was a tattoo that you were going to take on your finger or, or in your hand or on your forehead. And uh, then as technology increases, as we see these things developing, what we're seeing is what the Bible says can happen and will happen. We see that it can happen and it's happening right before us. And what's happening this Christian, many of us, if we're not careful, we sleep. Many of us are quiet about our faith. Many of us may be ignorant to what's happening around us. The series that we're preaching and what we're looking at here these last few weeks and these upcoming several weeks as we study the end time prophecy, what's the purpose of this? Is it to scare us? No, it's not to scare us. It's to motivate us to take the truth of the gospel and share it with a world that needs Jesus. Because the Bible tells us this, there's a tribulation that's coming. There's a seven-year judgment. There is a judgment that's coming to, uh, uh, to this world. And let me grab my notes here. And we're going to begin, and we're going to begin this morning, and this will be at least a two-week series just on the seven years of judgment. But every, every Christian and every non-Christian alike, there is this, they generate this, this just great interest in the end of the age or the end of humankind. Hollywood has put out movies. You start to talk about the end times and people are interested whether they're saved or not saved, whether they're Christian or non-Christian. Even the disciples were curious after they began to follow Christ. They were very curious about the end times and, and there was a time where Jesus addressed these things with his disciples. Christ answered their questions and he was very, very uh, 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 deep in what he was telling them and what was going to happen. And I want you to turn with me if you have your Bibles. If not, you can just follow along. I'll have all of our verses. Uh, the majority of our verses we'll have here on the screen here this morning uh, because we'll be in several different places. If you do not have a Bible, there may be one in a chair uh, in front of you in the, in the rack if you want to follow along. If not, just uh, we'll read here right from... The screen as it, he sat upon the Mount of Olives, this is Jesus. And the disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ. And shall deceive many and ye shall hear of the wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled for all these things must come to pass but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. And these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up 
and be afflicted and shall kill you. And, 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 and ye shall be hated of nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another. And one shall hate one another. In verse number 11, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. The study of the end times in, is captivating. How many of you have been captivated as you study? How many of the, the, those videos and those news articles and those things happening? Boy, I get into these and I begin to study and begin to, to uh, uh, really dig into these things and it's captivating. But the reality is this. There are going to be many that are going to experience the outpouring of God's wrath during the tribulation. And that ought to concern us as Christians. That ought to motivate us as Christians. What we're going to begin to study over the next few weeks, we're going to begin to study something that, that the great tribulation is going to come to those that deny Christ or those that defy Christ. This is not something that the Christian should be excited about. This is something that causes, ought to cause the Christian to be very sober in their thinking and very motivated in their telling of Jesus Christ. The messages ahead are not going to be light as we study the judgment upon, of God upon this earth. In fact, in studying and preaching, I, re, I let you know it's going to be difficult because there's no joy that any person can take in knowing what the outcome is going to be for those that deny Jesus Christ. The judgment that's going to be seen and had upon this earth. The Bible speaks of events that are going to transpire at the end of the Antichrist, his kingdom here upon this earth. These events, they warn us of the judgment of God. And God's going to judge this planet God's going to judge the human race. And there is going to, they are going to suffer destruction. I want you to see this this morning, though. God is holy. Because God's holy, he cannot allow sin and rebellion to continue forever. So judgment must come because God's holy. I want to remind you this morning that God is just. God never unjustly, uh, 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 or it gives wrath or unwarranted judgment to those that do not deserve it. God is just. And I want to remind you this morning as well that God is love. Even in judgment, he would save any who would call upon him for salvation. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so as we see these next couple weeks, the judgment that God is going to pour out upon this earth, know this, that God does not desire for mankind to go through this judgment. God desires for mankind to turn back to him, to trust him as their savior. But because he's a just God, because he's a holy God, he cannot allow sin and rebellion to continue forever. These next couple weeks, I preach with a heavy heart. Because we're going to see in Scripture the future of mankind. The future of mankind as the mankind grows intolerant and defiant of God. And there's going to be a time where man just outright rejects God, cursing his name to his face. 
I want to look at this morning, we're going to begin with the prophecies of the tribulation. The prophecies of the tribulation. We are going to find, we're going to find that there is much in the Bible that talks about the tribulation. The Bible is, is uh, very clear. It's mentioned more than in 60 different passages in the Bible, we're going to find mention the tribulation. We're going to examine these and, 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 and look at these prophecies and I hope that as we study these, you're going to understand that this is, the Bible is very clear on the tribulation period. The Bible is very clear on the judgment that's going to come during the tribulation period. Jesus didn't mince any words when he said this in verse 21 of chapter 24. He said this, for then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Here in this passage of scripture, Jesus described the last half of the tribulation. Now, the tribulation is in a seven-year period. The first three and a half year period to be in two sections, the first three and a half years in the second three and a half years. The first three and a half years is when the Antichrist, and we've looked at this previously, the Antichrist will make peace with Israel the Antichrist will, will uh, uh, seek to bring peace and use the disguise of peace and unity to establish his reign here in this world. Israel will begin to trust this Antichrist. They're looking for the Messiah. They're looking for the one to trust. They've rejected Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And now they're looking and they're going to find someone, but it's the Antichrist. It's not Jesus Christ. And they're going to put their confidence in this man. They're going to put their trust in this man. And when he gets to the place where he has their trust, he's going to turn on Israel. He's going to sit in the temple and he's going to declare himself to be God and he's going to declare that all worship must come to him and they must worship him as he sits in the temple there in Jerusalem and he's going to turn on Israel and seek to destroy Israel. And Jesus describes these last, this judgment, this tribulation. He calls it the great tribulation. And he says this, there's such as the world has never seen nor will ever see again. And this world has seen great judgment and seen great destruction. But what Jesus says, this is going to be like the world has never seen before. God is going to pour out his wrath upon this world. The first prophecies of the tribulation were delivered to Israel by Old Testament prophets. And I want you to see this. First of all, we find Jeremiah, he revealed the purpose here of the tribulation. I want you to see in Jeremiah 30, if you want to follow along with me, you can do so in your Bibles. Jeremiah chapter number 30. Jeremiah, he prophesied this. He said this, alas, for that day is great so that none is like it. There's even the time of Jacob's trouble. Highlighter, just, just uh, mark Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. For it shall come to pass in the day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off thy neck and will burst thy bonds and strangers shall no more serve themselves of him, but they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king whom I will raise up unto them. And so we find, we find Jeremiah, he, he in this passage of scripture, he reveals the purpose of this. The time of Jacob's trouble there you find in Jeremiah chapter number 30, you see there it says Jacob's trouble. This is a phrase and it's used to refer to the tribulation in scripture. Whenever you find that phrase, what the, what the Bible is referring to is the tribulation. Jacob's trouble. Israel is going to find peace only to be uh, 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 the Antichrist to turn. 
Here we find in Jeremiah, it speaks of a time when Israel is going to be ruled by Gentile nations. The Israel is going to be ruled by, by uh, those that they seek to bring peace into their lives. And God is going to judge his people for their ungodliness. But I want you to see in Jeremiah that even God's judgment during this tribulation time, it's manifested in his unquenchable, his unquenchable grace. God is going to allow judgment to come and he's going to allow it to come to the nations, that, uh, uh, the Gentile nations. He's going to allow it to come so even Israel there will see the judgment of God, but God is going to do it because he still desires for his people to turn back to him. I want you to, I'm going to show you later here today, I believe if we get to it, there will be some that are saved during the tribulation time. There are some that are going to turn to Christ during this time of judgment. And even in the time of judgment, God is still going to allow people to come to know Christ as a savior. That shows God's grace and God's mercy for mankind. God's desire, his purpose is to turn Israel in the world back to him in repentance. God's desire, listen to me this morning, if you're here and you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your savior, if you're trusting in a religion, if you're trusting in good works, if you're trusting in something other than Jesus Christ, and maybe you're sincere, maybe you're a good person, but none of those things will get you to heaven. The only thing, the only thing that will allow a human being to stand before a holy God to enter in the presence of heaven is that person's sins have been forgiven given by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. There's nothing else that can save a person other than Jesus Christ. The purpose of this tribulation is still to cause Israel to turn back toward God in repentance. We find the prophecies of the tribulation. Number one, Jeremiah revealed the purpose. We find in the Old Testament that Daniel revealed the plan. In Daniel chapter number nine and verse number 24 the Bible says this, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. We find in Jeremiah, we find in Ezekiel, we find in Revelation, we find in Matthew as we read in Matthew today, we find that all of these places are talking about the tribulation, prophesying of what's going to come. Daniel here is prophesying. He says, these 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore, and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks, and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be, uh, be built again, and the walls, even in troubled times, in verse number 26, and after the three score and two weeks shall the Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince shall come, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war, desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. In the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of the abominations, he shall make it desolate even until the consummation at that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Listen, both Daniel and John, they prophesied of the tribulation. 
Daniel here in Daniel chapter number nine, John in, in uh, Revelation, he prophesied of this tribulation itself. They prophesied that this tribulation was gonna last seven years, a seven year period. That week, that week, the last week, that seven years of Daniel's prophecy, that week is a seven year period. As I said earlier, the seven years are going to be divided into two segments, each, each lasting three and a half years. So the three and a half years of the tribulation and then the second three and a half years of the tribulation. And this week is going to begin with the Antichrist. The first, the first part, the first three and a half years is going to begin with the Antichrist's covenant that he takes place and he brings peace to Israel. We've seen this already leading up to this week. Even seen the news even this past week. Israel desires peace but knows there is no peace. They don't go to bed at night feeling comfortable. They go to bed each evening worried, concerned about the terrorist, the terrorism and the violence and the other nations that, that desire to, to, to kill and destroy the Jews. There's nations, they, they desire, they publicly take a stand, not just to tell Israel to give up her land, but they publicly take a stand to annihilate Israel off the face of this earth. That's their goal. And the Antichrist is going to come and he's going to bring peace. In that three and a half years, the temple is going to be, to be rebuilt. And I was studying this past week. And, and, and uh, how many of you saw where, where, where the uh, Jews are praying on the, temple, on the temple mount? For the first time. We see these things unfolding right before our eyes. The temple is ready to be rebuilt. The plans are, are drawn. The, the, the instruments are ready to be placed inside the temple. They're waiting for this opportunity and the peace is going to come. And at some point with that peace, they're going to be allowed to rebuild the temple. And that is going to allow Israel to believe in this false peace. The Antichrist for that first three and a half years is going to allow this peace to come. And then when the temple is built, he is going, and, and the temple worship is, is uh, uh, begun again, he is going to sit in this temple, declare himself God. Look with me in Matthew chapter number 24, verse number 15. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by the prophet Daniel, Stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let him which be in Judea flee into the mountains. We find in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, verse 3 and 4, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there cometh falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed. That's the Antichrist, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And Daniel prophesied that the Antichrist is going to form this alliance. He's going to bring peace and then he is going to break this covenant. He is going to break this peace in the middle of the tribulation. He's going to establish himself as the object of worship in the temple. We find other scriptures mentioned this midpoint in this tribulation period as well. This is Matthew and 2 Thessalonians. I want you to see what Zechariah, 
not only does Jeremiah reveal the purpose and Daniel reveal the plan, but Zechariah, he reveals the product of this. He says this, he prophesies in Zechariah 13, 9, and I will bring the third part through the fire and I'll refine them as silver is refined and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name and I will hear them and I will say, it is my people and they shall say, the Lord is my God. God is going to deliver Israel from this time of great tribulation. And when God does, when Israel is delivered, Israel is going to cleave to God. Israel is going to cleave to his love. Israel is going to give their devout loyalty to God. And what's going to happen through this is, is judgment is going to come, but God's people are going to turn back to him and they're going to give their love and give their loyalty to God as he demands. The product of God's judgment the product of this judgment that's going to come is going to, be, going to allow the, the great host of people, both Jews and Gentiles alike, to turn to God. We're going to see this in weeks to come, but there are going to be a great multitude of people of every tribe in every tongue. They're going to bow at the feet of Jesus and they're going to claim, holy, holy, holy is the lamb. They're going to worship at his feet. There are going to be people from every tribe, from every tongue, not just, not just Americans, not just those that attend Baptist churches, not just those that, that we can think of, of what heaven's going to be like. When we get to heaven, there are going to be different languages, different different tongues, different nationalities from every corner of this world are going to be worshiping at the feet of Jesus because God desires for all men to come back to him. God is going to finally establish his covenant. In Jeremiah 31, verse number 31, God's going to establish his new covenant. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. So he says, I'm gonna give a new co covenant to them. In verse number 33, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward part and write it on their heart and it will be their God and I will be their God and they shall be my people and they shall teach and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Once again, the Jews will be God's people belonging to him through God, uh, God's chosen devotion. And we are going to see this, that they are going to be his people and he is going to be their God. I want you to see this, the progression of the tribulation. So we see the prophecies of it. But we're going to get into the progression of it. And this is, we're going to get into this just a little bit here today. And then we're going to get to the judgment starting next week. Daniel revealed the plan leading up to the tribulation. Now let's examine the sequence of events during the tribulation. Author LaHaye and Jenkins, they commented this, and I'm going to read the passage that they wrote. No one wants to think of a future period, even a short one of seven years that will be the greatest time of suffering and terror in all human history. 
But the Bible is clear on the traumas of this period. It is unrealistic to spiritualize away the devastations God is going to unleash on this world during the tribulation. While that period may be short, the judgment will seem endless to those that are a part of them. In Revelation chapter 4 through 19, it describes the progression of the tribulation. If you want to see and study the progression of the tribulation, you'd find that in the chapters of 4 through 19. The first three chapters of Revelation, they address the seven churches. They address those churches that are in Asia Minor. And I believe in the beginning of our study, we just kind of touched on that. And then John heard a call and it was a come up hither in Revelation chapter four. And then there's no more the churches mentioned in Revelation until the end of the tribulation. That's one of the indicators, as I mentioned, why we believe in, in uh, 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 the church will be raptured before the tribulation. As you're studying the revelation, you find God is addressing the church. Then John is called up, come up hither. Then during the tribulation period in Revelation, you don't find the church mentioned again until after the tribulation period is over. That is one of the reasons, only one of the places where it shows us that the church is not here during the tribulation time. We also find this, that in the Christians, as, as God's children were delivered, we could use the example of when God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He sent in and said, if there's righteous people, I won't, I won't destroy. And it came down to Lot and just Lot and his family, but God was not going to destroy Lot and his, uh, destroy Sodom and Gomorrah while Lot was there. And Lot was brought out of Sodom and Gomorrah before God's destruction came upon Sodom and Gomorrah. So there's many examples. And there's many places we can find in the Bible where we believe that God is going to deliver his church from this time of tribulation. And so we're going to see the removal of the saints. The Bible says this in, in 1 Corinthians 15, 52, in a moment, in twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. The word moment in this verse here, 1 Corinthians 15, 52, it means this, it means indivisible, undivided. The rapture is going to happen so quickly that no one is going to realize what happened until they see the results. Now think about this, this event that happens, the chaos that this is going to cause. Those that are saved, they're gonna be driving vehicles, they're going to be, be uh, flying airplanes, they're gonna be driving down the highway, they're going to be uh, uh, working in machinery, they're going to be uh, doing things, and in a moment the rapture is going to take place, and all those that are saved are gonna be raptured out of this world. Imagine the chaos that's gonna take place. I believe this, it's quite possible the chaos that's created by this rapture, it could be very instrumental in ushering in the Antichrist into full power because the chaos that's going to take place around this world. The people that are going to be coming disappear. Uh, the, the, there's going to be uh, many that will be uh, uh, missing. The chaos that's going to bring. We find, find this, that the removal of the saints is going to then come into the rise of the Antichrist. 
In launching the tribulation itself, it's going to be uh, uh, convenient that the Antichrist, he is going to say, let's, let's all bring peace. There's chaos in this world, and we need to bring peace in this world. And I, I, I warn you, and I, just as the Bible warns us, be very careful of those that seek peace through compromise, seek peace through compromising what's truth. But the Antichrist, his whole goal, his whole, whole desire is going to be use peace as a way to come into power. But I want to warn you that only peace can come when peace is built upon truth. And truth can only come when we establish our lives upon the word of God and Jesus Christ. Oh, there's so many in this world that's looking for peace in their heart. And they're trying to find it through addictions. They're trying to find it through money. They're trying to find it through monetary gain. They're trying to find it through material possessions, only to find that the more they get, the more they want, the more they, the more they get, the more that, oh, that hole is. Nothing is fulfilling. Nothing is satisfying if you're searching for peace outside of Jesus Christ. Oh, if you're here today and you're looking for peace in your life and you're looking for, for a, a calm in your life, you're going to find that that peace that passeth whole understanding can only come when a person surrenders in their life and trusts Jesus Christ as their Savior. It comes no other way. But the Antichrist, the rise of the Antichrist, he's going to come to this world and he's going to say that there's going to be peace and that peace can come, but he is going to do this only so that they can worship him. There's going to be an ulterior goal to his peace. It's false. Oh, the spiritual vacuum left by the disappearance of millions of Christians will also enable the Antichrist to further his plan for this forced one world government in one world religion. Three and a half years, the Antichrist is gonna honor this treaty. And at the midpoint of the tribulation, he's going to lash out against Israel. He's gonna defile the temple that was rebuilt. He's gonna blaspheme, blaspheme the name of Jesus. He's going to blaspheme the name of God. He is going to ins insist that he is the one to be worshiped. The Bible tells us this in Revelation 13, 4, and they worship the dragon which gave power into the beast and they worship the beast saying, who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? There was given unto him a mouth speaking great things of blasphemies. The power was given unto him to continue 40 and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwelt in heaven. I want you to see that this Antichrist, this one that sits in the temple, is going to blaspheme God. He is going to rise up. He's going to then cause this peace that he has established. He's going to go against Israel. And the peace that he says that he is for, we're going to find that he's not for, he's against. And I want you to see this next with me, if you would, the revelation of Christ's witnesses. One of the most often asked questions concerning the tribulation is this. Are people going to be saved during this period? Many people ask that question. And the reality is this, the Bible does speak of those being saved. But I also am gonna show you in the, in the, in the Bible here uh, that I believe this, those that reject Christ before the tribulation are going to believe the great lie. They're going to be, believe in, in uh, 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 this, this uh, lie the Antichrist sets out. And they're going to believe in that lie and they're not going to have that opportunity to be saved during the tribulation. 
But many believe this, many have thought this, that during the tribulation, no one's going to be saved. But the Bible is very clear that during this time, there are going to be some that will be saved. There's going to be some. We find in 2 Thessalonians 2, 11 and 12, if you allow me to read that, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that were perished because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion that they shall believe a lie. This is those that have rejected Christ previously. God's going to allow them to believe this great lie that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. There are going to be many thousands, I believe, that'll be saved during the tribulation. Revelation, Revelation 14, three says this, and they sung as it were with a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the 140 and 4,000 which were redeemed from the earth. These are they which were not defiled with the women for they were virgins. These are they which followed the lamb whatsoever he goeth. Uh, there, these were the redeemed from among men being the first fruits of the God into the lamb and in their mouth was found no guile for they are without fault before the throne of God. There's going to be here on this earth, there's going to believe, a, uh, there's going to be, the Bible says 144,000 that are going to preach and believe in Jesus Christ during the tribulation time. Now, the Jehovah Witnesses, if you were to study and talk with them, the Jehovah Witnesses teach that inclusion of this 144,000 is granted through their organization and is based on one's performance as a witness. And so they believe that these are going to be Jehovah Witnesses during this time. But according to this verse that we read here, these verses in Revelation, they've missed the qualifications the qualifications according to this passage that every one of them are male and that every one of them are virgins. And they, according to this passage of scripture in Revelation, according to this, all of, uh, 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 all of these 144,000 that are saved, that begin to witness, they are, they are, they are uh, going to fill the earth with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And so these are not, these are not those that, that are only going to go to heaven, uh, maybe as the Jehovah Witnesses say, but these are those that are saved during that tribulation time. The Bible goes on to tell us this. I want to see in Revelation 7, 9, and 10. And this I beheld, and lo, great multitude, which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and, and, kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and psalms in her hand, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sit upon the throne, and unto to the Lamb. There is going to be those that are going to be witnessing and telling others about Jesus Christ during this great tribulation time. In addition to these 144,000 evangelists, the Bible says there's going to be two witnesses that are placed upon this earth. In Revelation Revelation uh, uh, 11.3, I'm sorry, I don't have that on the screen. The Bible says, and I will give power unto two witnesses. And they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. According to Revelation chapter number 11, there's going to be two witnesses that are going to come and are going to be preaching there in Jerusalem, in, the, in, in Israel. And they're going to be preaching the, uh, uh, the salvation through Jesus Christ. And there's two men, many believe this, it could be Moses, it could be Elijah. Others believe that it could be Enoch and it could be Elijah. And the reason they believe it could be Enoch and Elijah is because there are two men that have never been, they've never died. 
If you remember in the Old Testament, Enoch walked with God and was not. There was no death uh, time for uh, Enoch. If you were to study through uh, and you'd find this person lived here and they begat sons and daughters and they lived this many earth, but, uh, upon the earth, but you never find that with Enoch. Enoch walked with God and he never was, meaning this, God took him without death. Another Old Testament prophet we find by the name of Elijah, we know this, that Elijah was caught up into heaven by a chariot. He didn't see death. So we believe this. It's very possible that those two men that have not yet seen death will be the two witnesses that God allows to come back on the earth to preach the gospel. But what's going to happen? Revelation eleven six and these have the power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy and have power over water to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. There's going to be great power here. Revelation 11, 7 through 12. Let me read this, if you would, please. Uh, and, they, and when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and shall kill them. We find that the beast the, is going to kill these two men. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that, beast that ascended out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them, shall kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where our Lord was crucified. And they of the people, the kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall not suffer their dead bodies to put in the graves. They're going to watch these men just lay their dead in the street. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another because these two, two prophets tormented them that dwelt upon the earth. Now imagine this. These two men that are preaching judgment, they're preaching that you can, find, you can find grace by trusting in Jesus Christ. The Antichrist has these two men killed and all of the earth rejoices because these two men aren't there any longer. You know what I see here now? We say, say that's so difficult to understand. I would ask you this, how easy is it for you to receive truth? See, these two men are going to be preaching truth and the world is going to deny Christ. They're going to be so anti-God. They're going to be so anti-Christ. They're going to believe in such a, the, the anti-Christ that he is the Messiah, that he is the God, that they're not going to want to hear truth. Here's two men that are, that are preaching and giving them a second chance that if you listen to the, to, the, to the voice of God, if you go by the way of the Son of God, you can be saved from the judgment. You can be redeemed back to God. They're speaking truth and there's still going to be many upon this earth that deny it. Well, let me just take a moment in closing here today. If you have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ preached, you've heard truth, why would you deny it? You say, well, I want to continue to live in my sin. It's your sin that's going to separate you from God for all of eternity. I'm enjoying the things of this world. It's that enjoyment in things that cannot last. It's your enjoyment in things that cannot give you eternal life that's going to separate you from God for all of eternity. The answer 
is Jesus Christ. The answer for everlasting life is found in Jesus, in Jesus alone. The answer, Christian, those that know Jesus Christ as your Savior, it's time that we as Christians start living like Christians. We as Christians start living like ambassadors for Christ. That we as Christians start portraying who Jesus is and start living in such a way where others see and hear who Jesus is through us. That video I mentioned that an atheist that said this, how much do you have to hate someone, Brother Kudrow? How much do you have to hate someone to know the truth and not to give it? You say the world doesn't want to hear it. I witnessed to a person this past week and the truth is, if you would have saw this person like me, I thought this, that person would probably never get saved. I find myself coming across those people more and more. People that I've convinced myself they don't want to get saved. And I began to witness to this person who I already convinced myself would not want to get saved. And there wasn't an ounce of rejection, Kyle. Not an ounce. I mean, I, I already had all the answers I thought they were going to say only to find this, there was openness. They were searching. Didn't reject the gospel message one bit. And by the time it was all finished and by the time it was all laid out, they said, I'm looking for that. And I had myself convinced before I began to witness that they were gonna reject it. And I was close enough to just walking away and feeling sorry for myself and for that person for rejecting Christ. And that person hadn't rejected Christ trusted Christ as their savior. Oh, listen to me. There is going to be a time in this world, there's going to be a time in this world where judgment is going to come. There's going to be a time in this world where God pours out his wrath upon this world in a great tribulation and he's going to cause judgment that we're going to see next week. It's going to be things that we are never one want to hear, but there is going to be an opportunity. God's grace, even during the time of tribulation, he's going to have grace. He's still not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Even through that judgment, he's going to send 144 thousand witnesses, evangelists that'll preach the gospel. He's going to allow two to come and they're going to stay and they're going to preach truth in the street. He's still giving an opportunity for mankind to be saved. Isn't that something worth rejoicing about? Even to almost the end, he wants to save mankind. Even to the end, he looks down, he wants to restore that broken relationship because of sin. Oh, Christian, we give up so easy. Aren't you glad this morning that God didn't give up on you? That you didn't just hear the gospel message once, you didn't accept it and God said, okay, you, did, you, re you refused it, that's it. But he kept coming back, he kept coming back, he kept coming back, and kept coming back. Why? Because he loves you. Because he wants to redeem you back to himself. Oh, church, listen to me. This great tribulation is coming. We see it unfolding. All religions are crying peace. The nations of this world 
are willing to give up their sovereignty, willing to give up their power so that peace can come. The mark, it's ready to be given. At any moment, that trump of God can sound. And those that are dead in Christ are going to rise. Those that are alive and remain are going to be caught up in the clouds with him. And I want to ask you, church, what are you going to do with truth while you still have the opportunity? Who are you going to go and share the gospel with this week so that they don't have to experience the wrath of God? The wrath of God that we're going to find here next week. 